Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups Fallowfield and Mason. As we've been working alongside the pandemic for nearly two years, I wanted to interview founders who'd started their businesses in March 2020 and beyond, as anyone starting to think about founding a business will know no other world to operate in. As we know, this whole new world has thrown us curveballs, but not all of them are negative. I'm hoping that hearing from recent founders with up-to-date work experience, so to speak, will really support more people in starting up. In today's episode, we're joined by Alex Noonan and Sarah Humphreys, co-founders of Sydney-based beauty market research agency, The Review Works. Following media, marketing and PR careers of nearly two decades each, Alex and Sarah decided to pursue a path of joint entrepreneurship during the pandemic whilst continuing to run their existing businesses. Alex and Sarah share with us their advice on starting a new company while simultaneously running another and how trust and transparency are vital attributes to have as any business owner. Hi, Alex and Sarah. It's wonderful to have you on How to Start Up today. It would be great if you could start by introducing yourself and the company, or I should say companies that you've started. I'm Alex Noonan. I'm the co-founder of The Review Works, and I also have another business called The Content Works. And I'm Sarah Humphreys. I am the co-founder with Alex of The Review Works, and I have a PR business called SHA PR. And Sarah, how long have you been doing SHHPR? It's nine and a half years. It was nine years this year. Alex, when did you start your business? Two years ago this July. So it's really interesting for me to chat to you both because you have done your own businesses and yet you've also started a third business. What was the reasoning behind starting this third business? Well, I guess the reason for starting this business and I guess importantly starting this business together was coming from a need for both of our clients in our respective areas. So with my business, The Content Works, it's all about content marketing and social media. And with Sarah SHAPR, it's obviously all around PR and also social media as well. And for both of us, what our clients were looking for was that organic, authentic content creation. They wanted testimonials. They wanted product ratings for their new launches or for existing launches. And so that's kind of how this came together. So you really found a problem that your clients weren't able to solve and you're fixing it for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from sitting in a lot of presentations over the last 10 years from organisations going to my clients and coming up with dollars $100,000, $150,000 proposals and knowing not many clients can really afford that and sort of looking to see is it achievable to give an offering to clients, it gives them the results they need whilst being relatively respectful to their bottom line, but also making it profitable for us. That's fascinating. And I want to find out how you've done that. But just very quickly, what is the ReviewWorks? So it's a reviews-based platform. The gap we found was it's not a huge, big reviews company where we have 350,000 people on a database that can write very generic and maybe unemotional reviews, but it's also not a publishing house that kind of bookends a reviews program offering with editorial. It is a group of people that we have found via social who are obsessives for the category. So 
I think because Alex and I have worked in beauty for so long, we knew how to identify those people. And when we started building our database, even we were surprised at how quickly it grew from one member to 1,800 members. You're so right, because beauty is one of those sectors where people are obsessed with it. Yeah. And I think the thing is we offer our clients an opportunity to get really well-considered, well-thought-out reviews from people who are passionate about the category, but they're also socially native. So very quickly and very easily we found that they were sharing their experience, they were sharing their reviews to their followers on social media. And in this day and age with a generation that have grown up digitally, a lot of these people are influencers in their own right. And I think it's because we understand their language and we know what they want and we also know what clients want. It's it's married perfectly. Sort of a quick elevator pitch to a client, it is reviews for your product by people who understand your product and those reviews get housed where you want them. And given you mentioned the competition are charging exorbitant fees for this typically, how have you made it affordable for independent brands to do this, yet making it also profitable for you? I guess to Sarah's point earlier around um, the difference with us and the publishing model is with the publishing model, their main priority is to make revenue in advertising and then the reviews then swept up as part of that. Whereas for us, we don't have any KPIs we need to hit with advertising. So it means that the brands that we work with are purely paying for the reviews. Um, Then layer in with that too, because we both have our own independent businesses, there are no overheads with this. So overheads are really only actioned when a booking occurs, so when a campaign runs. So therefore, all of those costs are then covered within that campaign. So when clients are working with us, they're not paying for all the other overheads that are usually associated with running a reviews platform. And this is really interesting because I was talking to somebody about the podcast saying it's called How to Start Up because at the beginning I had no idea what I was doing and how how to start. I knew how to PR something. I didn't know how to run a company. (laughs) And I said I hit that two-year mark where I suddenly maybe could breathe out a bit. I said, well, how do you keep your momentum up? How do you keep your enthusiasm up? He's like, you just start another company (laughs) and your next podcast is going to be how to keep it up. (laughs) And I was like, oh God. And it's actually true. And it's a friend of mine built a house. He said, well, now I've done one, I can do another. All the experience I've had from that, I can now use usefully in the second one. Did you find, given that you're both nine and two years in, that you had done all the hard yards, so it was very quick and easy to set up another company? Mm, That's a yes and a no. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's quite different, though, starting up a partnership versus independently. Yeah. So that's different. I think there were definitely things for me anyway that I was like, okay, I understand what we need, like in a business sense, or I wasn't as intimidated by some of the things that came along the way. Whereas when it's your first time round. And you're on your own. You're just a deer in the headlights. You're in it together as well. Have you found it much more enjoyable having a co-founder or actually are there negatives to it? (laughs) don't have to answer that. (laughs) Well, what I've really loved about this journey that we're on is that we're able to speak very openly about not just this business, but but also our other businesses as well. So you have this great confidant, I guess, where you yeah. can really talk very openly around challenges yeah. that we're having and we can bounce ideas off each other or 
workshop solutions with that. And then in terms of this business, because we're both very pragmatic, if there's a problem, we sort of just tackle it head on and make a decision very quickly and move on. We haven't, I guess that's one thing we've never done is sort of sat on anything. Because you guys have known each other for 20 years, I think. Mm. How have you managed your friendship in this as well? Because you met professionally, as we all did, years and years ago in the beauty sector, and you've maintained a really incredible friendship and your businesses as well, and now going into business together. Is there any sort of word of warning you give people as to starting up with a friend? We actually talked about this the other day. I think we've started as colleagues that definitely helps. It's not like we're childhood best friends who've been each other's bridesmaids and been there every step of the way, you know, and the business idea is something that we could both see as an opportunity. It wasn't one of our lifelong dreams that we've brought our best friend in to help create a reality. So I Mm. think when your friendship and relationship starts in a business environment, it is easier to maintain that level of business versus starting out with a, a lifelong friend. And like I said, we're very pragmatic about this business. So while we're, we care about it and we're passionate about it, this isn't our lifelong dream, like running it in our lives that we're terrified we'll lose, you know? Yeah. So I think that helps. And I think the other thing too is in when we worked together previously, it was in a small capacity that then kept deepening, I guess, over the years of working together. So we had a really good understanding and had those challenging conversations. So I was in publishing, Sarah was PR and so representing a brand there. And so we had those conversations that could have been challenging, but we always just got on with it and were able to come up with a solution in those much smaller sort of ways. So then moving into this, it was very, I guess, just a natural evolution of that. You're used to being frank with each other. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's respectful. So it's like we kind of have always in any situation, like we've always come to the table with the right intentions. Mm. And so we've been respectful for whatever case we're trying to make and we find a solution. It's not really ego-led. It's just very, I think it's the theme of us, Alex, is we're very pragmatic. (laughs) (laughs) We don't take work things particularly personally. No. Because our work doesn't define who we are. And I think the other thing too is we're both at a very similar life stage. We've got two young kids. So there's that, just that natural understanding of the juggle and working around each other's schedules to sort of make it all work. And the respect too that comes with that. One of us goes on holidays, the other one picks it up and vice versa. Well, you've got each other's backs on every single front and respect each other. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I wanted to ask, given time is I find the most precious resource when you're running a company, let alone two, how do you divide and conquer? How do you manage your time? So from the beginning, we had clear roles, like divided the process of you know bringing in the business and then sort of actioning campaigns. Nothing ever goes perfectly to plan and we've continued to sort of evolve that and juggle. So when there's a live campaign, if we just look at each other's workloads of who can take that on, an important part too has been knowing when to outsource because we can't do it all. That's been for me with starting both businesses, it's I can't do it all. So I've got to know when to bring in another staff member along the way. And so that was something we did from the very beginning. We had someone who managed the actual campaigns and managed our social media because there were two bits that just the ball couldn't be dropped. On an ongoing basis, that's, I guess, that's probably our biggest challenge is time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is carving it out and prioritising. 
Because you started fairly early on into the pandemic, the third mm. company. And yeah. have you, I mean, I've definitely found that actually life coming back to normal, I hadn't budgeted for needing a social life again and travel again and all the things that were taken away because for the first year and a half I just worked. Have you found that as well that sort of life resuming that actually you've got less time? I think generally like time is more stretched now that things are opening and in my other business there's more events happening so there's more out of office time and I think also Alex and I have both had like team members out with COVID or we've had COVID and you are short-staffed in either or both businesses so I think mm. time this year has been a tricky one but I would also <laughs> caveat that by saying with two children regardless of a pandemic I think time was always going to be <laughs> a tricky one. Yeah do you have any advice for new founders about contracting people versus salarying people? Definitely contracting has been the best thing for us. It's allowed us to scale as needed. If you're starting a business, committing to full-time salaries is a lot of pressure that you do not generally need to add to your plate, especially if you're trying to pay your own salary. So if you can do contractors and then give them three-month, six-month agreements or project-by-project agreements, which is what we do, it's far less pressure to put on you. Mm. And I think what we've discussed before is that actually if you've got a pipeline of personal budget, so you take that stress away from yourself as well, whether you've got your other companies, you mm -hmm. are sort of, you know, are working. I think for me, I did the maths as like, right, with redundancy, I've probably got nine months to live before I yep. default on my mortgage. And having that sort of runway was a relief because it meant I could break things, test things, learn from things. With the review works, for us financially, we set very clear KPIs from the beginning. So we knew what it is that we needed to achieve on a month-to-month -month basis and what success looked like after one year and after two years. And that's what's allowed us then to set goals beyond that of how to go beyond beauty and into the other categories and know when to pull that trigger. And that's, I guess, something that excites us is when we're seeing we're hitting those KPIs that we can then start to plan for those next phases of the business. So that's something that keeps motivating us to keep pushing forward. There's key markers around what success looks like and when we're hitting those. And you've made that plan and you're transparent about it. You can see it, something to go Correct. for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not vague. It's very yeah. <laughs> I highly doubt anything either of you do is vague <laughs> at any point. <laughs> the given time is so precious. Are there any or hacks that you found to save time? I guess one thing that has been important for us is, given that it's a secondary business, is having set reoccurring meetings. <laughs> if we didn't have a set reoccurring meeting every Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock, yeah. that's what keeps us on track, but also pulls us together as a team to remind us that it is a separate business yes. um, and it deserves its own attention. So that's been something that's been very important to us. And Alex, given that you are a similar timeline to me in terms of becoming self-employed, what what's the biggest learning that you found about yourself since becoming your own boss? I've been surprised by how much I can really do. I'm not, by the way, just for the record. And I guess what I mean by that, <laughs> what I mean by that is when you're in an, a big company, you have people to call IT, call finance, and they'll help you work through a problem. But when you're running your own business, you're your own bookkeeper, you're your own accountant, you're your own IT help desk, HR, yeah. HR help desk, you know, writing contracts, like you're doing it all yourself. So that's been building your own website. Like I would never thought that I'd build, like, you know, create a website. 
Yeah. Um, so that's been quite liberating, I guess, is that you can do it. You don't need to be fearful of it. There's always a solution. You just need to Google it. Yeah. I was trying to explain <laughs> to my mum in lockdown that Google is her best friend and it has all the answers. And Sarah, how about you, given your nine years in slash a year and a half in now, what's surprised you the most about yourself? Do you know what? Actually, the biggest learning I've had, there's two things. One, the huge respect I have now when I meet people, even if their businesses are small. I have a lot more respect for people who run their own businesses. And I realized that very early on. The other thing I learned being in meetings as the girl with the small PR agency, and even now with our business, the the little startup that people might perceive it to be, you're brave to do your own business. I'm biased, obviously, but that's how I see it. What do you both love the most about being your own bosses? I've always been very, very committed to whatever work that it is that you're doing, but being your own boss means that that work is to your benefit. You really can make an impact. You can stand by your decision. It's not being led mm. by a you know a corporate lens and you see the financial results of it, which you wouldn't see before. It didn't matter how many hours you'd work. Yeah. I'm Sarah. Yeah. I, there's a couple of things. One, I love that my children see me run my own business. I've got two boys and I, I like that they see that mum can do that. And I think the other thing is running your own business. You get the reward of the joys and the lessons of the hard times and it's all for you. Like you are growing every step of the way. It's what keeps you going, right? And even with having a team, seeing them grow, seeing them evolve. I've had the business for a while now. So even seeing the friendship groups that have grown because they all met here, like that's really nice to see that that kind of continuation of that relationship. And what do you like the least? HR. HR contracts. I think HR stuff. People, because they are human beings and have an opinion and might not I love up. the people. It's, it's, it's getting the people. It's the recruitment process, finding talent, finding the right talent, but it's building that culture and getting the right fit has been something that I find that I'm constantly keeping an eye on because I want to make sure that it's a really pleasant place for everybody to come to work at. And it also is then with clients, dealing with clients that they're, have that same experience they enjoy working with us as well because just having that one one person that doesn't fit culturally changes the dynamic of if you cross every touch point mm. it makes or breaks my day and week mm. have you got any advice as to how you interview people to get the right people in I do a task if on it I'll give them a brief on a page and ask for a response on a page for PR if it's a really junior person in PR this sounds so superficial but I think Juliet you'll appreciate this I make them tie a ribbon on a box. Like, what's your attention? <laughs> so mean, but it's not though because it's like if you don't care to do this, then you're probably going to be sloppy in other areas. Yeah, it's so true. In my world, every moment is a PRable moment. And in my agency, it is my name on the door. So they're not sitting there going, oh, that PR assistant at SHA is crap. They're saying, oh, Sarah Humphrey's agency, they're not very good. And that's my name. So. Yeah. Actually, I'm very conscious of that. And I think the other to what's hard with HR is the recruitment is hard, but it's also if you have to do tough things from a HR perspective as a business owner, those tough decisions are entirely yours. So you can't say, sorry, Global's making me make you redundant and, you know, restructure changes. If you have to do that, that's you and it's on you to take that responsibility. And I think that is a hard lesson to to learn but it's a really good one it teaches you to be as transparent and as frank as possible as quickly as possible yeah I don't think you really experience running a business until you have to do some really really tough things 
And any last golden nugget pieces of advice you'd like to share with a potentially new founder? My motto has always been, you've got to know what it is that you do well, and you've got to stick to that. If you start trying to be everything to everyone, that's where you dilute your value. Correct. And Sarah? And mine would be be honest. Be honest if you're in a partnership like Alex and I, be upfront from the get-go, like what's your goals, what's your aspiration for the business? If you're on your own and you have a team, be honest with your team if things are working or if they aren't. Like it can feel lonely when you run your own business, but it actually isn't if you are transparent and respectful to your team. They will be respectful back and they will appreciate your honesty, I would say, at all times. Thank you, Alex and Sarah, so much for all of your advice. It is great to chat to you about all things starting up. Thanks so much. Thank you, Juliet. I've loved chatting to Sarah and Alex. I've known them for years and have a huge amount of respect for everything that they've achieved in their businesses. But I love the most that Sarah actually recorded this from her cupboard. And if you work in beauty, you will know what this is, or fashion even, in the sense that lots of us started our careers in a cupboard. But what I also loved is that we've all admitted that the cupboard has always been quite a safe space. And for Sarah to record the podcast from a cupboard that she has now founded herself is a huge honour. If you'd like to contact Alex or Sarah, you can find all of their details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice they have so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations have offered you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you are indeed on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe, as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.